0: Welcome to another episode of the Yours Julie podcast. I'm your host, Claire Tuning, a peanut butter and jelly enthusiast turned registered dietitian, yoga teacher, nutrition coach, and entrepreneur. I believe that happiness and health comes from the ability to truly nourish your body, mind, and spirit through food, movement, and relationships. That's what this podcast is all about. Together, we'll learn to eat gently, move freely, and love fiercely, and probably make a lot of puns along the way. So join me and my stellar squad of guests to learn the tools that you need to break free from a world of diet culture and negativity to fully, gently, and mindfully step into your own source of power. Yours, Julie, Claire. Here we go. What's up, my friends? Welcome back to the Yours Truly podcast. It's episode twenty-nine. I hope you liked my fancy intro. So, if you listened to the episode last week, I believe it was, yeah, the one with Kelsey. I did my intro and I was like super hyped up on caffeine. Like, I literally had like three quarters of a cup. I don't want to make it out to be like I drank a whole pot of coffee, but I had three quarters of a cup, and I was like bouncing off the walls. But guys. You live and you learn, right? Unlike my old roommate used to say, Allie, if you're listening, she would always joke around you live and you don't learn. I would argue that sometimes you live and you do learn, because today, on my way into the office to like get settled, I had had my little Move Freely workout portion in, and I was like, Claire, the last time you got a caffeinated coffee, you were too much for the world to handle, so why don't today you get a decaf coffee? So I have my decaf coffee here, all of the drinks, and I'm here today on episode 29 to talk about something that was brought to my attention through a recent client email that really kind of got me thinking about what the whole purpose is of this journey that we call health and wellness. And I think a lot of the time, sometimes gets diluted to mean weight loss and looking a certain way. And you guys know from my message, if you hang out with me here on this podcast or other social media platforms, that's not something that I stand for that's synonymous with health. Um, I, I do not believe that weight loss is always a determinant of health, nor is weight gain or anything regarding weight. And her email to me really got me thinking, okay, well, if I believe that, then like what words can I assign to this journey that give it more perspective, right? Because I think a lot of the times we can get on our high horse being like, it's not about weight loss, it's about self love, and like that's great and that's amazing, but I wanted something more. So she put in her email, she reached out to me um, wanting a little bit of help with her Love Fiercely goals. So something I have all of my clients doing at the start of the new year. I made a welcome to 2019 video, which is an unlisted video on YouTube that I only gave my clients access to, talking about reframing our mental attitudes for the year, making sure that we are heading into 2019 on the right foot or on the right road, right? So we're not going to be setting goals and setting ourselves up to be reactive with our intuitive eating and living journey, but proactive in making sure that we're even on the right path and that we have our brains right for what we're going for. So... In this video, I posed a question to them and I said, I don't really want to talk about how you're going to get there, right? Because the cool thing when you're working with me with a coach one-on-one, we're going to find how you're going to get there, right? The tools that you need to fit into your individual lifestyle to get you to that place that you want to be. But that's not the question I want you to ask you is what I was saying in this video. I was telling my clients that I would rather them ask themselves, who do they want to become? right? Who do you want to be at the end of this journey? Not what do you want to look like? Not what do you want to feel like? But what qualities, characteristics, and habits does that future version of yourself have that maybe you don't embody right now? So maybe it's not even things that have to do with your health. Some of the answers I got back were like, I want to be radiant, right? I want to be the best wife, the best girlfriend, the best boyfriend, all of these, the best dog owner, (laughs) I even got that one, like all of these things that don't necessarily go hand in hand with what we eat, but they do fit into the picture of health that I talk about with my clients at least. But the kind of step two that I had them take is, okay, once you've identified all of these qualities, characteristics, and habits that this future version of you has, I want you to write down a couple tactical items and tips, not necessarily daily goals of things that you have to do, but something that you can post in your house and And when you come home from work, from school, whatever it is, you can see those actionable items or those steps that that you have identified saying, hey, if I want to develop this habit, then these things would be beneficial for me to do. You can kind of look at that list and say... Did that opportunity arise for me today? And if it did, did I live up to that future version of me, right? Because what we do over and over again is what we end up getting. So it's always aligning our actions with our intentions, which is a sound bite that my clients are probably sick of hearing me saying. But anyways, long story long, she emailed me a question talking about how she wanted a little bit of help or wanted kind of a sounding board, someone to bounce ideas off of, of these actionable items to go underneath all of these qualities and characteristics. And she had a great list going, but she'd identified a couple that weren't quite there yet and she just wanted my opinion. So um, I won't get into the details of what exactly we were talking about or what I said, but I went ahead and shot her back my suggestions. And this is the email that I received back. She says, Thank you so much, Claire. These were all really helpful. I wanted to tell you that on our last call, one of the biggest changes I've noticed. In myself, since we've started working together, is how kind and loving I have been and felt towards myself, which is so new. I was feeling a little bit less loving and kind over the past couple of days, probably because I was thinking about some big life changes in my near future and feeling kind of anxious about those. But I feel a lot better today, and I think just letting myself feel kind of eh and not fighting it or being more angry with myself and reaching out to you was very helpful. Thanks again. And then she signed her name. So what I wanted to bring up here is when she put those words into practice, into this email, when she said that one of the biggest changes I've noticed in myself since we started working together is how kind and loving I have been, a little bell went off in my head, right? (laughs) I felt this sense of overwhelming, just like, yes, girl, and like gratitude and happiness because... That is the moment that I identified and I've always known it before like obviously that's the purpose of this gentle nutrition coaching journey that I want my clients to feel but no one had ever put it in that exact way and I read those words and I thought to myself that is the whole purpose of this journey. The purpose of this journey is to learn how to be loving and kind to yourself not in like the cute Pinteresty way that everyone always talks about and is like annoying but like the way that's actually real, right? The way where you actually go home and instead of looking in the mirror and berating yourself, you say things that are at least neutral or positive. Instead of walking to the fridge and tearing yourself down because you had one or more items that you previously identified as bad, you realize that your worth is totally separate from that food choice and that that one moment does not define you or make you any less of a person. So this whole idea of being loving and kind to ourselves is really the purpose of eating intuitively, of living intuitively, of this gentle nutrition coaching journey that I would love everyone to live on this planet with me, right? It's not just about liking broccoli. It's not just about how many servings of kale or how many cookies can you restrict or like how good of a plan can you stay on. That's not the goal at all. And I think the thing that I thought for years and years of school, obviously I learned a lot of great things and learning to become a dietitian, and I'm grateful for the path that I chose, but it teaches a very one-dimensional side of what nutrition and what health is, right? It's like these list of foods, count these calories, um, Medical nutrition therapy, which again is great for a time and a place, but it wasn't really something that I resonated with and felt on a deep level that I could provide value in. So when she said that, I was like, yes, you are so right. Could I teach you? how to make kale taste like yummier kale than you've ever had before? Probably. Will I do that? Sure. If you ask me to, and you actually want to eat that kale because you enjoy it, not because you feel like you have to, to reach the standard of health, right? But that's not all that it's about. It's really about learning to be loving and kind to yourself. And I want to kind of take this episode in a route that gives you a little bit of a bigger idea or a more detailed idea I should say on how to actually start getting to this place, right? Because those Pinteresty quotes like I said, those motivational posters that I always joke about being on the classroom walls with the cats and the dogs, those things are going to fade and those things aren't going to be with you when you're standing in the bathroom looking in the mirror and hating yourself, right? Those things aren't going to be with you when you're at the gym wondering why don't I look like her, right? These things aren't going to carry throughout. Motivation will fade, but the habits and the tools that you teach yourself or that you learn throughout the way and really start to believe, those are the things that are going to stick with you. So, I kind of had this idea that, you know, we all should Be loving and kind. Like, we all know that, right? (laughs) Like, it's kind of like that idea of cognitive dissonance. It's like, I know that I should do this one thing because it would be beneficial for me, but I don't actually do it in my day to day life. It's that gap between what we know to be true and what we're actually doing. So, I want to walk you through how to bridge that gap so it's no longer a conversation of should but I am, right? It's not, I should be loving to myself or I should be eating this food because I want it. And not because I feel like I have to, but you know, I am kind to myself. I am eating this because I enjoy it. I am eating this because I know how it's going to make me feel. And then I'm not any less or more of a person because of it. It's kind of bridging the gap between where we want to be in this intuitive journey and where we are right now or what the thought reel is saying in our head. So. The first thing I'll say is, this is going to take time. Like, this is not going to happen overnight, and it really is a daily effort. Something that I always say to my clients is like... (laughs) I'm not the intuitive eating light switch, right? You're not just going to walk into my office or walk into my online community or my online platform and then one month later be like, yes, I understand. I love myself so much. I appreciate my body so deeply and I eat intuitively and feel so confident. Like it's not going to be like that. There's no magic pill. There's no magic fairy intuitive eating pixie dust that I can sprinkle on you. That's going to make that change quickly. It really is gradual because think about this. In your own life, I talked about this yesterday on an Instagram story and I tell this to my clients all the time. In your own life, think about how long it has taken you to get to the place That you currently are with your health and your thoughts regarding your health, whether that's you know, dieting, weight loss, overexercising, exercising to a really rigid schedule. How many years, how many months, how many days if you're lucky, but how much time have you poured into that version of thinking throughout the entirety of your life? For many people, it's multiple years. For some people, it's decades, right? So we can't just think automatically that you're going to come out of this way of thinking in one month because you feel so great and you love this idea of intuitive eating. I mean, that's amazing. I love the idea of it too, but I also know from the reality of my own life and through working with clients that it's not always an easy route and it's not going to be something that you flip the switch and you just understand one day. You're not just going to wake up and be like, I understand what Claire is saying and I am the best intuitive eater. It really doesn't work like that and they're going to be Ups and downs. There's going to be high points, there's going to be points that are lower. But the thing that I always reassure people is that at the end of the day, you know, at the end of this cumulative journey, we just want to be better off than where we started. That doesn't mean that the progress is always linear. That doesn't mean that it happened quickly. It just means that we had the patience to get there. So, in this idea of how to actually get there, I want to bring up the idea of reframing the purpose of your health journey. So if you think about all of the the words and the pictures and the phrases that you may have associated in your head with the word health, what does that look like? Like actually take a moment, pause the audio. Here I'll do a dramatic pause here for a second. So pause and ask yourself, what are those words? What are those pictures? What are those mental images that I have in my head that I've been telling myself mean, quote healthy, right? In a lot of ways, a way that I was taught, a way that you know I've been exposed to on social media from hearing people talk, the way that I think we're all exposed to in today's society and the diet culture that we all live in is we're exposed to these messages and these images that make us believe that health, air quotes again, is looking a certain way or engaging in certain dietary practices to manipulate our body to become a certain size or look a certain way or impress someone else, right? It's not really about how we feel inside. It's about how we look to the outside. Do we align with all of these standards that we have been told over years and years and years or months and months that is health, right? But I'm here to say that we're going to flip this on its head and we're just going to reframe this. So I want you to go with me here for a second. If you're new to the podcast and you're thinking this girl is already crazy, I don't know what she's going to say next, like go with me here. If you're already on board and you're like, yes, Claire, keep rowing, keep moving. And the boat analogy is going to make sense here in a second. Then thank you for being with me. But the main thing, this requires this reframing process. It just requires that you have an open mind and that you're willing to think about something in a way that you maybe haven't thought about it before. So I want you to reframe the purpose of your health journey and start telling yourself Or even think about, if you're in that pre-contemplative stage, think about what it would mean to tell yourself that the purpose of my health journey is not about looking good, but rather it's about knowing that I am good simply because I'm lucky enough to have been gifted this body who does all of these things for me, and, or that does all of these things for me. So it's not about looking good, but it's knowing that you are good. And it's believing that the purpose of your body, your physical being, isn't to impress other people or look a certain way, but rather the higher purpose that your body has is to carry and protect the most important things that you have, which are, in my opinion, your unique energy and your spirit. And the interesting thing about your unique energy and your spirit, when you really look at what they do, those are the two things that are going to allow you to be loving and kind to yourself, like I was just talking about. So my client who was like, you know, I'm realizing that the thing that I have done the most since starting this journey and starting to work with you and that i am becoming more loving and kind to myself it's because this approach to nutrition this approach to movement this approach to life that isn't so like white knuckled tight fisted holding on to this for dear life that is a little bit more gentle and we just open up our mind and open up our hands and we say hey i'm going to go with the flow and i'm going to protect my energy and my spirit as you know my utmost most important goal Those are the things, the cultivation, the protection of those things through your health journey is what's going to allow you to get to that place where you can say what she just said and get to that place of realization where you're like, hey, I'm realizing that it is not just about the food. It's not just about filling my plate with X, Y, and Z food or keeping these foods off of my plate. It really is about being more loving and kind. So, the place that I want to take this or kind of the tactical pieces of advice that I want to give you is a couple ways to start moving to this place where you're viewing your health journey as a way to protect your energy and your spirit rather than do all of these other things in order to manipulate your body to impress or you know have it achieve this certain goal or this certain weight loss weight gain scale goal right and the way that I have identified that I can shift my perspective at least to protecting, like using my body as a vessel to carry my energy and spirit to protect those gifts that I have, those most most important things, is noticing the places where I tend to fall short, meaning noticing the places in my life, sometimes the traps that I can fall into where I feel like my energy is drained, you know, my spirit is drained and I'm showing up to conversations or events in my life, not feeling like the best, most nourished version of myself, not really even talking about the food that I've been eating, but simply the practices that I've been engaging in that maybe haven't been fueling my spirit and my energy to be the most nourished version of me or the most nourished version of myself. So I kind of want to make the analogy of the boat. Like I was talking about earlier, a lot of my clients will laugh at how many analogies I make to a car, which is kind of funny because I'm not a car person. Like sure, I drive a car and I'm very grateful for my car, but I'm not one of those people who like nerds out over cars and like engines and stuff. My dad is totally 100% that person. So I guess he caught all of the genes in that sense, but I always make the, the analogy of, you know, you're driving your own car and you have someone in the back seat. if you're trapped in diet culture and you're really trapped in negative self-talk who shouts negative things at you and you're like, you know, you're silly to try and why are you doing this and you always fail, so what are you thinking starting this new journey, et cetera, et cetera, which is a great analogy for intuitive eating, finding out how we're going to take control of our wheel and tell that person in the backseat to shut up. But for the purpose of this conversation, I want to talk about a boat. So you're not just in a car this time, you're going to be in your own boat and we're talking about things that drain your energy or drain your ability to be loving and kind to yourself because you're simply not nourishing your spirit or your energy is where are you poking holes in your own boat, right? We all know that if you're in a boat and you start poking holes in said boat, that's just dumb, right? (laughs) Because your boat's going to sink. Again, it's something that we know to be true, and we know we shouldn't do it, but if we're falling into practices and experiences that are all of the time draining ourselves and leading us to this place where we don't feel like the most nourished version of ourselves, what we're actually doing is poking holes in our boat that in the long run is going to make you sink like the Titanic, right? may not be as catastrophic as like an iceberg type of thing. It may be like death by a thousand cuts as we talk about in this day and age, but over time, poking holes in your boat repeatedly are going to drag you down and you may not realize it at first, but you will start to realize it over time because you'll start to wake up and be like, I just feel terrible. And like, you know, I'm eating quote, all the right foods and I'm doing quote, all the right exercises, what that even means. But I still don't feel like the version of myself that I wanted to be at the end of this journey. So I'm going to elevate the importance of this discussion and encourage you to start noticing those places where you openly Poke, poke, bowls. Wow, poke holes. There we go. In your boat, what practices do you engage in that you know do not lead to positive outcomes, positive self speak, you feeling like the best version of yourself, but you still choose to engage in them? So, I have three major ones that I'm going to cover here. Maybe you will fall in line with these. Maybe you'll be able to resonate with these. But these are the three that I've identified to be the, the whole pokers in my boat, in my life. And here's what I'm doing about it. So the first one is social media. Social media for me is kind of a double-edged sword because as you guys know, I have a business and I want to be an online presence that promotes my business and promotes the importance of things like learning to love and be kind to yourself through intuitive eating, right? And We are so fortunate in this day and age that we have this platform that is literally free and we have the ability to use this platform to put out content, to document our lives, to voice opinions, to connect with people who we've never even had the chance to connect with before. We definitely wouldn't have had the chance to connect with them if it wasn't for this version of social media. So in many, many ways, I'm a huge fan of social media. I'm not one of those people that's like, you know, it's the death of society and it's going to rot our children's eyes. Like, sure, can you use it in ways where it may become that? Totally. But most ways I find that if you use it... In a way that reflects where you want to go, if you put boundaries on this idea of social media with yourself, it won't turn into that. But for me, sometimes if I'm not being mindful of those boundaries that I need to set for myself, it can become a practice that I willingly engage in that pokes holes in my boat. For example, have you ever been on Instagram? I use Instagram for example because that's where I tend to get sucked in the most, but you just like click on one person's story. You're like, What are they up to today? I'm curious, right? So you click on it, and then before you know it, it's an hour later. You've consumed so much content that your brain is spinning. You're comparing yourself to all of these different things that everybody else is doing, and you're sitting there ending up feeling not the best because you didn't do what they did today, or your business isn't growing as fast as their business, or your abs don't look like her abs, or you ate something that that person just told you was bad and you shouldn't eat, right? So it kind of introduces all of this noise into your head where it becomes something that is not that helpful because you're not using it in a way to promote energy, to promote your genuine sense of spirit, but rather you're using it to poke holes in your boat. So if you resonate with this, if you ever have come away from an experience with social media, noticing that you feel deflated, that you feel like you're stuck in comparison syndrome, which if you're looking for an episode on that, check out the one I released last week with Kelsey Flanagan. But if you're coming out of these experiences with social media, knowing that you don't feel like the best version of you when you finish, then that is a red flag indication that you need to place a few boundaries. I'm not saying never consume social media content ever again and don't look at this because like honestly that would be shooting a lot of us in the foot, right? Like I'm sit- I'm sitting here saying like follow me on social media, watch all these things and I'm also telling you but don't get sucked into it. I realize that it's kind of like a mixed message, but I'm just encouraging you to figure out what accounts leave you feeling like that. Figure out what practices that you're engaging in on social media that end you feeling this way, rather than have you coming out with better ideas, feeling like a more energized version of yourself, right? Because we all know there are accounts that can do that. And I follow many of them and I love looking at their stuff. But also if I get trapped into endless click mode, I can sometimes fall into the traps of the discover page or other accounts that don't necessarily align with that intention. So if you recognize that social media is one of those things for you, Put guardrails on yourself. Say, you know, I'm gonna be off social media from 7 a.m. or 7 p.m. rather to 7 a.m., right? So we're setting like, this is my time for me. This is my time. I'm not gonna consume other content. And you be mindful of that and you don't break that promise that you made to yourself. Maybe you say, okay, I'm only going to go on three different times a day, and when I'm on there, I have X amount of time, and I have to do what I have to do when I'm there, but then when time's up, I get off, right? So I know it sounds really regimented, and it's like, oh my God, Claire, why are you being so strict? But in my own life, I've identified that if I'm not strict with something that is as simple and as easy and enticing as the click of a button that's always at my fingertips, then I lose a lot of my energy and my boat starts to take on water very quickly. So I encourage you notice if that's something that you fall into and if it is set boundaries for yourself and above all else abide by those boundaries. The second thing. Comparative exercise. So you may know what this means if you've ever been in an exercise situation where you are stuck in comparison mode, comparing your ability, the way you look, your body size, your clothes, to anyone else's. So of course, this can happen in any frame of exercise. This could happen in a group exercise class. This could happen in, to be quite honest, I've literally never set foot in a CrossFit gym, but after working with people who do CrossFit, I know that is an area and a space where sometimes this can happen. This could happen in any type of competitive sport, literally anything really where you are in a team or a group setting. So I'm not saying by any means that those things are bad because there's plenty of people out there who love that form of camaraderie and exercise in a team because that's motivating and that's great. But I found for me, comparative exercise became something that poked holes in my boat, but not all forms of comparative exercise. So for me, I All throughout my years of college, I taught group exercise, namely yoga. As you know from the intro, I'm a registered yoga teacher. I love teaching yoga. I love practicing yoga in a group setting. To be honest, I like practicing it more in a group setting than practicing it on my own, but... I know that that's okay for me. and something like a step class or some really fun cardio class, I don't find myself stuck in comparison mode because I love being there. And it really is a version of moving freely for me because I feel so much release and joy in hearing the music and moving my body in that way where I have to put forth a little bit less effort to think about what am I going to do? Because the instructor is telling me what to do. So in a way, exercising in a group for me or in a team setting can be really great. But I also know that in other settings, for example, in competitive sports, in the CrossFit setting, that is not something that I would thrive in because when I'm put in an environment where I don't feel confident in my abilities, like I was telling my boyfriend last night on the phone we're going skiing uh, at the end of this week and I've never skied a day in my life and I have a little bit of anxiety around it because like I'm gonna be taking a lesson and I'm gonna be compared to other people I mean the instructor is not going to be up there comparing me but me in my head since I know like a little self doubt starts to creep in because I know that I've never done this before it's new and I obviously have that personality where I want to be the best right so in those settings, I can have my boat poked a little bit and water can get in if I'm not really careful. That's why for me, like in high school gym class, this is what I was telling my boyfriend, I kind of abandoned that thought a minute ago, but I was telling him the reason why I feel like I have a little bit of anxiety or fear or dis-ease, I guess, wrapped up in this is any time of type of team sport in PE class, like I was never the one who played team sports. or was like the super athletic one So I was always picked last for those teams. And it's not like anyone was saying, Claire, you're terrible. You're awful. Like, I don't mean to paint this picture boohoo me. Like, no one said that to me. Or no one, yeah, no one said those things to me. But there's still a place in your mind where it's like, if I'm not getting picked first, then I'm not as good as everybody else. Or I'm not the super athletic girl who can run the fast mile, right? So any type of setting that I knew wasn't necessarily my strong suit. Like, team sports, like crossfit, like lifting heavy things above my head, in those settings, if I am placed in them, And in my experience being in those types of settings in the past what I have tried, it's just not a good space for me because instead of being able to move freely and tune into moving my body out of joy and loving it like I'm able to in a group exercise class, I actually turn to poking holes in my boat and dragging myself down because I'm not confident, I'm comparing myself to other people, and at the end of that movement practice, I end up beating myself up Because my form wasn't perfect or I wasn't as good as them or I didn't get picked first. So I think when it comes to something like exercise, just notice, are you willingly placing yourself in exercise environments? Whether it's a class, whether it's the gym that you go to, whether it's maybe even the videos that you watch on YouTube if you exercise at home. Are you willingly putting yourself in an environment That leads to negative self-talk, that leads you to poke holes in your boat, that ultimately instead of energizing you like movement practices should, it actually ends up draining your unique energy and spirit because you just don't vibe with it, right? It takes you away. From the healthiest version of yourself rather than putting you closer to the healthiest version of yourself simply because that environment is not one that is helpful or valuable for you. So, if this resonates with you at all, if you're vibing with this, just be aware and do what you can to take control of the environments or the types of exercise that you choose to move in. So, number three, The third area of my life personally that I have identified that detracts from my energy and drains my spirit, ergo makes me not the healthiest version of me or takes me away from my ultimate health goal, is viewing food as numbers. So if you've been on this podcast before, you know that I approach the conversation of nutrition in a totally non-numbers based focus, which is really different from what you may have heard before. It's different from what is taught in school. It's different from what is taught in the medical practice, right? We're taught that these numbers indicate your health. And if we stray from them or if we don't teach them, then that is bad and that's not true health. But what I realized is when I look back on my own childhood, I am fortunate enough. I was just having a conversation on another one of my friends' podcasts where I tell the story more in depth. But I was fortunate enough to grew up in a family where the environment around food was very positive. Nothing ever stands out into my mind as, you know, food is bad or food is the enemy. In fact, food for my family was something that we were always doing. We were always experimenting. My dad was just shy of a professional chef. He never went to you know that exact school of training, but he was very self-taught through his family of owning restaurants and owning businesses and you know the food industry. And he's a great cook. And I always viewed food as something that was fun. And I was lucky enough to be in a food secure family where I could experiment with different foods and I could try foods and we ate food as a family. So not only was it this nourishing physical experience, but it was also a nourishing experience where I spent time with my family and I had fun with it and it was almost a form of creation in a form of art, not just something that had to be checked off the list. I had an open candy jar policy and I've talked about this on past episodes, but I had this candy jar in my house where I could go to it whenever I wanted. It was never told to me that, you know, that was bad and I couldn't have it, or it was never withheld from me as a punishment or given to me as a reward. And I'm looking back on that situation now and I'm saying. Well, yeah, sometimes I still wanted the candy and I ate it, but nine times out of 10, since it wasn't something that was restricted or put on this pedestal as being bad, I really had an air quote normal relationship with it because I didn't fear it. And it wasn't something that was withheld from me as a reward or a punishment. Like I said, so first of all, kudos to my parents for having the knowledge to allow me to grow up in this environment. But once I got through nutrition and dietetic school, I was a little bit confused, right? Because what I was taught as a child was different from what I was taught in nutrition and dietetic school, which is very numbers focused, you know, medical nutrition therapy, this is the right way to treat conditions. And I'm not dismissing that at all, because of course, there is most definitely a time and a place for medical nutrition therapy and for using a more direct, exact approach to nutrition. I don't dismiss that, but it didn't really align with what i wanted for myself or what i felt to be true so when i reached the end of my dietetic internship i was like man like i'm going to start my own business because it's always what i've wanted to do and i've grown up in this family of business owners and entrepreneurial backgrounds but what i've taught to be what i've been taught to be true about food through my formal education doesn't really vibe with what i feel like my authentic self teaching right how am i going to sit here and coach someone on a very specific diet or tracking their macros or counting these calories. If the two days that I tried that for a project in my like nutrition 280, very basic class, if I absolutely hated that. And even in that 48 hour period, it destructed a bit my relationship with food. Like how can I in good conscious conscience? Yeah. That's the word teach someone else what I hate, teach someone else what I know to be really negative for a lot of people. I couldn't do that. So I was lucky enough to find the book Intuitive Eating. And if you're listening to this podcast and you've never read the book by the two dietitians, um, Evelyn Triboli is one of her names and the other name is escaping me. I have it here on my shelf, but I'm not going to get up to go get it, but just Google intuitive eating and most definitely get the newest edition of this book, um, for the most updated information and how they speak about it. But I found this book and I read it and I was like, yes, like this is, this puts words and this puts research and a name to what I've known to be true about food all along. It gives me a name to what I've always done with food, how I've always been around food. But now I know that I, as an RD, as a health professional, can actually teach this to other people and I can take, of course, some of what I've learned in schooling and, you know, the cool microbiology and like chemistry things and like the things I can nerd out over. Of course, I can take that and use it to inform my practice in a way, but what I can really use to inform my practice is this approach that aligns with how I feel genuinely connected to food. And what patches the holes in my boat rather than pokes holes in them. So if you're listening to this and you know that your relationship with food is so numbers focused and it's so weight focused and it's so one dimensional in its approach as in like black and white, good or bad. And you've identified at multiple points in your life that that's not helpful. Like, it may work for some people on the surface. Sure, it may work for them underneath the surface, but you know in your life that that has led you down more negative roads than it has positive roads, and you're still kind of sitting here searching saying is this all there is like do I have to eat this way for the rest of my life do I have to talk to myself about food in this way for the rest of my life the answer is no and the answer is there is another way and that is what I practice that's what many other dietitians practice that is the beauty and the joy of intuitive eating so if you're noticing that your relationship with food is one of the big gaping holes in your boat and I'll kind of tell you here I'll reaffirm you and say if that's you you're not alone in that. There are so many people who have negative relationships with food from whatever it may be, whether it's a past experience, something they learned in nutrition and dietetic school, you know, too directive an approach from a coach, whatever it may be you don't have to live with those holes in your boat forever. Are you going to patch them immediately? And is it going to be like the most amazing thing when you wake up tomorrow morning? No, because like I told you at the beginning of the podcast, it's not going to happen overnight and it is going to be a daily effort. But what you do over and over again and the choices, what you choose to surround yourself with and the attitudes and beliefs you choose to listen to around food, that's what you're going to end up with. So, Coming towards the end of this episode, I really just want to put in the forefront of your mind the question, what is poking holes in my boat? What am I willingly doing? What practices am I willingly engaging in on a daily basis that I know are not helping me? They're not adding value to my life, but for some reason, to some stretch of the imagination, I'm still doing it. Like, what are those practices for you? And you're not going to change them all overnight. Again, it's not like the magic pill or that magic pixie dust I can just sprinkle on you. But awareness is the key to change. You have to be aware of when and how and how frequently and how deeply you poke those holes in your boat in order to fix them. So the one thing that I always like to tell my clients or anyone who I'm trying to give some tactical advice to is if you're saying, well, I know there are things in my life that do this to me that sink my boat like death by a million cuts like I know there are those things but I don't necessarily know how to pick them out because you know it's just so normal for me at this point like I'm so deep in this hole of self-doubt and self-loathing that I really can't pick out like what's the root cause anymore well there may be a lot of root causes but the one thing I can give you The one question that I can tell you to ask yourself to help identify what these things are is a very simple question. Ask yourself whenever you engage in a behavior that you come out of feeling kind of like "Eh," wishy-washy about, ask yourself, is this adding value to my life or is this detracting value from my life? Answer it very simply. Don't overthink it. Don't get too wrapped up in it. Just ask yourself simply, is what I just did Valuable to protecting my energy and my spirit, making me feel like a better version of me? Or did that pull me away from my energy and spirit? Did that pull me away from a place of value in my own life? If the answer is it pulled me away, then there you have it. You've easily identified that that is the thing that is helping to poke a hole in your boat. So then, once you've identified these things, again, you may have many different areas and we're not going to fix them all overnight, but you can start taking steps to not make the damage any worse so you can surround yourself with more podcasts that talk about you know this positive food messaging and the non-numbers side of things if food is a hole in your boat right if your hole in your boat is exercise you can start to explore other forms of exercise do a google search get in contact with some sort of trainer or some sort of teacher that is very open-minded and they're not boxed into their way or the highway right if you're identifying that like me, one of these holes is social media. Again, make boundaries for yourself and stick to those boundaries because the only thing worse than breaking a promise to your friend or like missing dinner or missing that obligation is breaking that promise to yourself. So what I want you to get coming out of this episode is just to get the wheels churning and take that one question and say, is this adding value or is this subtracting value? Because again, the whole purpose of this journey of health, and I use health in quotations because, of course, that means something different to everyone, but it's not just how to teach yourself how to like broccoli and how to avoid cookies, right? Like, the purpose is so much bigger than that. The purpose is, like my client said, is to learn over repeated efforts, right? To make it habitual, to just train ourselves to be more loving and kind to ourselves. And the way that we do that is not through manipulating our appearance. It's not through trying to prove that we are good to other people. It's that through knowing that we are good, that we are more than a body and the purpose of our body or the shell that we navigate the world in is not to impress those people or to look a certain way, but to carry and protect the most important things that you have, which are your energy and your spirit, because those are the things that make you uniquely you. So I want to thank you for listening to this podcast episode twenty nine I believe it is I forget now episode twenty nine if you are loving what you 're hearing here on the yours Julie podcast, please leave me a five star rating. Take a moment if you have a moment to leave a review that 's really what is going to help shoot this podcast into the next level to rocket us up um, to success here so that we can keep spreading this message to people who need to hear it. If you're hearing something and you're feeling really jazzed about it, I would love if you could take a screenshot on social media or take a screenshot and share it on social media, tagging me so that I know what you learn, sharing the message. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, a really easy way, for you to share this message and share this episode is to tap the three dots in the bottom right-hand corner of your screen and press share episode. It will connect you then to a link that you can text out. It will connect you to social media platforms where you can easily share it because I know we're all looking for a way to make things a little bit more efficient. So until next time, yours Julie, Claire.